Good morning, and today I'm going to preach a message that's entitled, How Cheap Is Your Gift? And we're going to talk about gifts here in just a few minutes, uh, and uh, a, a different spin than probably you would think on gifts. But I think this will help you, but I want to start off uh, with something that I, I didn't even include this into the, uh, into the sermon notes, but it's in Mark chapter 16, starting at verse 15, and we're going to read verse uh, through 18. I want you to see this. Then I want to share a couple stories with you. Father, I thank you for uh, just meeting with us today and being with us, God. And I just pray you have your way today. I pray you move in a miraculous way in this sermon, God. And we give you thanks and we give you praise because it is in the name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's why he said. He said to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 16 says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And see, when you think about the process of being saved, it's asking God to forgive you of your sins. It's asking God to come into your life, and then it's actually, uh, the word Christian means to be Christ-like. So as we become like him in our relationship with Jesus, that's what this is, that's what this is saying. But, you know, Oprah said that there's many different ways to Jesus, and there's not. There's only one way to Jesus, and that's through the blood of Calvary, and, and that's how we get saved and to keep ourselves from going to hell. Now, verse 17 says this, and this is what I want to concentrate a few minutes on, and then we'll get into the sermon. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Signs shall follow them that believe. In the 23rd Psalm, it says... Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. So look behind you. If you can look behind you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow thee who do what? We've got to believe. We've got to believe and to know that he's going to help us. But surely signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues. And verse 18 says, they shall take up serpents if, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So as you think through the process of what verse 17 says, and then what verse 18 says, it's awesome. So then you may ask the question now, what are signs and wonders? Well, signs and wonders can include praying for the sick and seeing them healed. Seeing devils cast out, seeing people delivered from addiction just right before your eyes. This is the kind of thing, signs and wonders. Seeing people saved, seeing people delivered, seeing people get out of sin. That is what is so exciting about it. So, okay, so Pastor Wright, uh, Dr. James R. Wright, that a lot of us here came, um, came up under for many years, um, is teaching a four-part series in Barbersville, which is close to us. So Christy and I have been able to take Wednesdays and to, to go down there to be with him. So it's been, this has been the third week that we went. John and Cynthia have went a couple. And uh, so uh, let me tell you what happened. So he's preaching on the gifts of the Spirit over in 2 Corinthians. And, and so he was talking about the gifts of healing, the gifts of miracles. And so... What was hysterical, i got to share this, there was one thing that was hysterical, uh, is you had John sitting here, Cynthia sitting here, Christy sitting here, me sitting here. So John Sandy asked this question, he, oh, okay, he's taken up for himself already. So they asked if there were questions, and so John asked this question, and, and Pastor Wright must have not have heard him. So he said, uh, he said, can you repeat the question? So John repeats the question. I really didn't know what the question was. But it was a good question. So Pastor Wright looks at, looks at John and he says, good question. Oh, it was a great question. Also, he said, great question. Do you want to tell it? And so he says, great question. And, and then on top of that, then he looks at me and he says, Pastor John, can you stand up and give the answer? And I looked at Pastor Wright, and I said, well, boy, you know how to put a man on a, on a, 
on notice here. I said, you know how to put me on the spot. And I couldn't tell you what half of what I said. I don't think it made sense. Christy looks over at John and said, uh, he said, you didn't get your answer, did you? And John said, no. Well, what's crazy is whatever answer he didn't know, whatever question that John asked, Pastor Wright didn't know the answer, and he pawns it off on me, and I didn't know the answer. So that's all fun. We had a good time with that. But, but then the second thing that happened, and here's what I'm talking about, about signs and wonders. People that need deliverance. See, we are always, you and me are always on call we don't have to pray this thing up. We don't have to sing this thing up. We are always on call to move when God says move. And, and so what I learned about that process is this. Because when I, you can look at my notes. This is the, um, you know, I, I thought one of the craziest things, I got to tell, tell a story. My sister, Kathy, who's on the front row, uh, Gave me a bunch of legal pads. I do a podcast five days a week, um, 8 a.m. John Sandy's on Tuesday. Jay, uh, Pastor Jay Mason's on Friday. Olivia is every other Wednesday. So in between, I'm doing podcasts uh, myself, and I'm constantly writing. If, if, you, if you don't take notes on your feelings, on your thoughts, on scriptures that come to mind, man, I tell you what, I have filled up. You know, my mentor, James Ashworth, who is in heaven, I used to go see him, uh, and he had a lazy boy chair, and there were stacks of these beside of his desk, beside of his chair. Even in his 90s, he's writing sermons, even though he couldn't go preach them. If you would go visit, yeah, I guarantee you he'd preach it to you. And so anyway, I wrote at the top of the page with Pastor Wright, which I took two pages of notes with just with him, just talking about what he was talking about. I wrote knee and hip. And I can show you where I wrote that at the top of the page. So I took the, page, took the notes. He's preaching on miracles. He's preaching on um, uh, healings. He's preaching on the gifts of healings. Um, and so at the end of the service, I stood up. And I said, Pastor Wright, I said, when I came in, I sensed that there, were, there was someone with a knee issue. And then there was someone with hip issue and I said I'd like to pray for those people if I could and so we're the guests you know there's another pastor it's his church it's called Bethel Chapel down in uh, Barbersville and uh, wonderful people and so I had people starting to flock to where I was sitting one guy stood up he said it's me he said I made a doctor's appointment today for my hip and, and he said, I was going to the doctor. He says, I'm in a, he says, I work in a machine shop. He says, and I can't hardly, I can't hardly stand up. And, and, and so he comes, he comes over. So I move from where I am to up front. So I'm beginning to pray for people, even though it's not my gig, so to speak. But yet, see, God has equipped you and me with gifts to use wherever we are. And, and, and so I began to pray. Uh, pray for people. Then this lady came down the aisle, and she had a cane. And she's going to, she, I, don't, I didn't even get her name, but she's going tomorrow to have a, a cancer scan. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you how serious this is. She told me, she said, it's me with the hip. She said, the cancer started in the hip. She said, I have cancer all over my body. All over my body. And she says, I'm going for this scan tomorrow. She said, it started in my hip. And so I began to pray and to bind and rebuke the spirit of cancer. See, these things we call sickness. We call them sicknesses. But what they are is they are demonic. God did not create sickness. God didn't make you sick to heal you. He didn't, he didn't do that. God doesn't do that. Now, now, understand something, that these things are demonic. So I began to pray for this lady. I prayed for that man. There was another lady that came forward. Well, the, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge for her. And, and so it's like signs and wonders will follow them that believe. Now, here's what you have to understand about this is that you say, well, who, who do you think you are? I know who I am. I know what my gifts are. I know what my talents are. Because they're given from God and it's not to be arrogant. But you have to know 
who you are. And there's people today that may be sitting in this uh, worship center today that are still trying to figure out what they're called to do. Understand something, because of, because of the obedience of, of God and me being in Barbersville, West Virginia on Wednesday night, let me tell you something. I can't wait to get back on Wednesday to see the results of these people being healed and set free. I don't have to be in Gasaway to be used. I don't have to be in Winfield to be used. I can be used anywhere that God wants to use me. I can be used. And you can be used. Because let me tell you something, there are people that are waiting on you to get it right. They're waiting on you to tell them about Jesus. They're waiting on you. Christy and I are in Florida. Um, I don't remember when. But Christy and I are in Florida. I'm on an elevator. Christy's on an elevator. There's another fella that gets on in the elevator. And we start up to, to our, where our room is. Spirit of the Lord speaks to me and says, ask me to ask that fella if he was a preacher. I said, you, you sure? God, yeah. Now you may think this is fanatical or you may think it's strange. But your Christian walk is spiritual. And it manifests the way you act in the physical. So... So we're going up the elevator, and I look over at the man. I don't know his name. I don't know who he is. If I passed him going down the, the, the right now, would I know who he was? No, I don't, I don't think I would. And I looked at him, and I said, um, sir, I said, are you a pastor? And he looked at me, and he said, yes, I am. And I said, well, let me tell you something. I said, you must be important to heaven, and you must be important to God. Because of the fact is that the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me to ask you that. And whatever you're going through in your ministry, and whatever you're going through in your life, let me tell you something. God knows who you are. And I saw him a couple of times throughout the week, and he pastors a church down in Kentucky. And, and so I got to spend some time, got to, got to spend some time talking to him. And you know how much that helped him? It helped him. But see, what we do is we miss the opportunity because we doubt who we are and we doubt what we say and we doubt what we think we're hearing and we miss the opportunity. Church, it's time for you to figure out who you are in Christ, number one, and number two, to understand that God speaks to you. He speaks to me and he speaks to you. And quit calling him a somebody. Well, something just told me to do this. No, God told you to do that. And you have to be in order. Numerous stories that I can tell you, but here's why. Because signs and wonders are going to follow me. Why? Because I believe. I believe. And you could say, well, you ain't nothing. I am something. And you know what? You're something. Stop denying who you are. Quit saying that you're nothing. Well, I'm nothing. You're nothing without Jesus, but you're something because of him. And it's time for you to realize who you are and allow God to use you. So here's the title of the message. How cheap is your gift? How cheap is your gift? Because let me tell you, and let me go around the room. Everyone in this room has gifts and talents. Now, the world may have shut you down a time or two in your gifts and talents, but God hasn't. God hasn't. You don't have to make it in the secular world. I could care less about the secular world. I'm working for the kingdom world. I'm not seeking the approval of man, but I'm seeking what God says. So gifts are this. Gifts is something given willingly to someone without payment. <laughs> something good you receive or something good that happens to you even though you may not deserve it. It almost sounds like grace, does it not? 
unmerited favor. We don't deserve it, but yet he gives us grace. Here's several things. God sent Jesus as a gift of salvation, gifts of the Holy Spirit that we have, and also God has given us the ability to have the fivefold ministry of, of Christ within the church. If you don't have the fivefold ministry of, uh, within operating within your church, then you're going to be imbalanced. And I'm going to go, you're not going to be balanced. Things aren't going to work the way they need to. And so, as God gives us uh, these gifts, especially the gift of salvation, but also he gives us a gift of service, that we are to serve one another. <coughs> I left Gasaway, I left Gasaway on um, Wednesday afternoon. I helped Melissa take care of babies that day. We had our hands full, did we not? We took care of babies, and then at 4 o'clock or whenever it was, I said, I need to go. And since she's the boss over there, she said I could go. So I thought, okay, so I got to go. And, and so I headed, towards, uh, I headed towards my house. I had time to change clothes right back in the car, and I headed to Barbersville. A lot of people would say, number one, you would fall on the floor because you had to drive to Charleston, but then go past, go past Charleston. But on top of that, we went beyond that to Barbersville. Let me tell you something. I want to be around men and women of God, and I'll drive wherever I need to go to be with them because it's important. So the question we start off with today is, what is your gift? And if you don't use it, is it because you think it's cheap? Do you think it's a cheap gift? Or if you don't take time to use it, spend time with people and listening to what people are saying and how you can help people. Listen to what the scripture says. This is in Ephesians chapter 4, talking about the five-fold ministry that is still in operation today. There are some people believe that the five-fold ministry is not in operation today, but it is. Here's what it says. And he, being God, gave some apostles to some prophets to some evangelists and to some pastors and to some teachers. Then verse 12 says, and then I'll go back, it says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the working of the ministry... For the edifying of the body of Christ. It sounds simple. You all are the apostles. You all are the prophets. You all are the teachers. You all are the evangelists. And you all are the pastors. You say, well, no, that, that's your responsibility. Well, hear me out. So, let's talk about the first one, which is the apostle. Pastor Jay and I, and you'll, you'll not hear me say this very much, but Pastor Jay and Christy, and I, th I don't think Sam was there that night, and Olivia and Rich, who are our co-pastors at our Charleston campus when we get that up and running. We have dinner at the Taze Valley um, restaurant in Taze Valley. Applebee's. We were at Applebee's. And so Olivia had some, had some, this was before they were even coming on board with us, and, and she looks across the table at me, and you can ask Barb, uh, Matthew, she will confirm it. She looks at me and she says, God has told me that you are an apostle. Well, I've never thought much about that because I just haven't thought much about it. But, but listen to what this is. An apostle is one sent on a mission. An apostle is one who is called to plant and to oversee churches. Has verifiable church plants and spiritual sons in ministry. That meets my characteristic. That meets what God has, has called me to do due to the fact is 
that we already have two campuses and we have another campus coming. Why is it that people have so much problem with the word apostle, but they can handle a pastor or a teacher? People don't even, they skirt the word prophet because they think it's EBGB and, and all this kind of stuff. I can't help it that I'm who I am. I can't help it. That's just who God called me to be, and, and God has called me to plant churches, and not to pastor, but, it's to, but I'm, I'm called to a new position. And I haven't told anybody here hardly. And it's not something that I, that I take lightly. So my question is this, there may be people that have come under this ministry that feels led to start churches, not to split churches, but to start churches. It's important. My God, there's 5,000 people saved in Braxton County, and some of those may be questionable. And the churches and the pastors are after those 5,000. I want the 10,000. There's 10,000 unchurched. Those are the ones that we should be after to get those into the kingdom of God. <laughs> but I'm called to plant churches. What are you called to do? Here, here's what a prophet is. Let me, let me talk about the, what a prophet is. A person regarded as an inspired teacher or proclaimer of the will of God. One who utters divine inspired revelation. I'm not talking about the pathetic, but I'm talking about the prophetic. I'm talking about people that really have this gift. Because, see, what you have to understand is <laughs> with the prophetic, God uses the prophetic to confirm many things in your life that you already know. And the people that work in the pathetic are the ones that walk into a room where the Spirit of the Lord is moving and they get this look on their face like something stinking in the room Mm. And then they tell you something that you think that you should know, and they look at you and say, it's going to rain on Tuesday. That's the pathetic, not the prophetic. There are people, you have to understand something, is that there are counterfeits to all these gifts, but you have them. You're the one that has them. This is a locker room experience, so to speak. And we're playing the game of life, so to speak, to where we're trying to win souls, get people into the kingdom of God, but on, on another aspect of that, to get people saved. And these gifts and talents are inside of you. And they're inside of me. And the locker room experience is where we come in and I, and I help educate you and then, and then you go out and you play the game. You go out and you, you win the souls. You go out and you lead people to Christ. You pray for healing in the grocery store. You help people. You give them the encouraging words. I remember one time I was in uh, Kroger in Cross Lanes, I believe, which I never hardly go to that Kroger. It's not even close to our house, but I happened to be in there one day. And I was walking in the back of the store where the coolers are and where the milk is and all that stuff. You know why they do that? It's a marketing scheme to get you to go. You're going for a, you're going for a gallon of milk, but you've got to go to the back of the store to get it. It's a marketing scheme because you're going to go through all these aisles to get there. And you go buy something else. It's like going to Walmart. However many people can go to Walmart and buy one thing. 
It's almost like the rich young ruler. He lacked one thing. Man, I wish that could be me. So I'm walking into the back of the store, and I see a lady. And the Lord spoke to me to pray for her. You say, does the Lord speak to everybody? Uh-huh. Yep. Well, that's weird. Why is it weird? It's not weird. And it's not gas either. You guys are tough today. I've told two jokes, and you just, just like, you must be hungry. Went to Taco Bell. And, 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 and so I, I said, ma'am, I said, the Spirit of the Lord has spoke to me to pray for you. I said, what's going on in your life? And she looks at me and she said, my brother went to jail yesterday. I just can't deal with it. And I said, well, can I pray for you? I prayed for her. And it wasn't a screaming, yelling prayer. It wasn't a prayer of, um, of you know, oh, God. You know, it wasn't anything like that. It was just, I prayed for her. Didn't make a scene. I don't know her from Adam. Don't know her name. You can do the same thing. You're called to do the same thing. We're called to make a difference in people's lives, not to make it worse, but to make it better. When you go to people, when you leave that person, you want to leave them better than what you got there and the way they were. You want to leave them better. You want to pour into their life. So I prayed for that woman. One who utters divinely inspired revelations. You, you say, well, you know, you're talking about you a lot. Well, I'm telling you, these are th- these experiences that I experience. These are things that are exciting to me. I mean, I look at every day as an opportunity. Somebody came to me one time and they said, we have a problem. I said, no, we have an opportunity. So then the third thing of the fivefold ministry is this. This is the one that I have the most fun with. It's an evangelist. You shoot them up and you leave. And you let the pastor deal with it. (laughs) No, I don't do that. A person who seeks to convert others to a Christian faith, especially by public preaching. That's an evangelist. We are called to evangelize. Some are not called to pastor. Some are not called to be an apostle. Some are not called to be a teacher. But some are called to evangelism. I personally feel any of us could do evangelism. I personally feel that if we were evangelists in this church, we would be two services. What I can't figure out and what I keep scratching my head about is we've been here almost nine years and we're 50 people. We're still at 50 people, and I appreciate the 50 people that are here, but we should be more and overflowing and buses pulling in and all this. You say, well, no, this is Braxton County. I don't care where it is. We should be full. These pews should be full. Church, all these empty. This is not, understand something, in spite of what you hear about me in the community, this is not money. This is not money. This is a soul. This is a soul. This is a soul. This is a soul. Not here today. A family could be wrecked right now, and there could be a divorce that's getting ready to happen because of a family that needs to be invited to this church, and there's four seats empty. I'm looking for the day, John, Sandy, when people better get here early or they'll lose their seat. I can't figure it out. So here's what I ask the Lord to do, and I'm taking all responsibility off of you because I've browbeat you long enough to win souls to Jesus Christ, and it ain't happening. So here's what I've done. I said, God, grow this church. So it's all for you. It's all for you. You don't have to grow it. Don't even think about it. Don't even think about it because I put it on God. And I said, God, what we're doing 
ain't working. I come from big church. I don't come from small church. I know how big church works, and I can't understand I can't understand it. I scratch my head, and people can say, well, you know, it's because of this spirit that's over this town, and it's because of this spirit. It's because, I don't care. We have victory over all that. We have victory over the spirit of religion. We have victory over this. We have victory over that. Well, I don't have to wall her in bed around with it. You just bind it and rebuke it and get rid of it. Because there's nothing more powerful than the church. We're more powerful than anything. A person regarding who is inspired to teach and proclaim the will of God. That's what an evangelist is. A person who converts others over to Christianity. What I'm concerned about is I can go to other churches and see a huge move of God, but I'm, I'm concerned that I'm not seeing it here like, like, like we need to see. And I haven't figured that out yet. But look, what an apostle, what a pastor does is, is sheep produce sheep. Shepherds don't produce sheep. Sheep produce sheep. Here's what a pastor is. A spiritual overseer of a local church. That's what a pastor is. The spiritual overseer of a local church. And what a teacher is, is one who instructs others. So that's the five-fold ministry. You have the apostles, you have the prophets, you have the evangelists, you have the pastors, and you have the teachers. These are what makes a church purr. This is what makes the engine run. And then having God in front of it all. Now understand what verse 12 says this. It says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the working of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Here's what the New Living Translation says, and I have a couple others here too. It says, to equip his people for works of service. So your, your apostle, your prophet, your evangelist, your pastor, and your teacher is to equip his people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built. So I want to ask you and challenge you this, uh, this week, how are you working to build the kingdom of God? Or are you a plant of the enemy to tear it down? Because you could be that person. Are you that person that, that constantly is, is negative and bashing and, and, and criticizing and this kind of thing, but you do absolutely nothing to help? No tithe, no nothing. All you do is, is complain and, and moan about stuff. Well, that's not building the kingdom of God. Who wants to be around that? The English standard says is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. The building up of the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. There are people that are just itching for you to say, hey, would you like to accept Jesus as your Savior? And then here's something else is that we have to set the example so that people see us living right so they want what we got. I've been preaching this stuff for years, and it works. So when you define the word building up, it means to make the body stronger. Sometimes I feel that the body of Christ is getting weaker because we don't have the five-fold ministry in operation like it needs to be. Now, let me tell you something. There's some places you can go, and I'm telling you what, it's tearing apart, and God's doing awesome things. Do I believe that someday it will happen here? I hope it's in my lifetime. I hope that I'm not just sowing seeds 
and breaking rocks and tilling soil for somebody else to reap the benefits. That's fine if so. But I would like to see something. Something. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, nowhere in the Bible does it say that you're to be weak. Nowhere in the Bible. I looked it up. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. doesn't say be weak in the Lord, but the power is not your power. It's the dunamis power. It's his power that he uses you and me to fulfill the calling. <coughs> it's exciting. Nowhere in the Bible does it say it. Now, this scripture is misquoted many times. Like there's some others that are misquoted, but I want to give you this one so that you can chew on this one for just a minute. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. You say, well, yeah, there's a scripture that talks about us being weak. Listen to this. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproach, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses, for Christ's sake. I can handle the people that talk bad about me and accuse me of this and accuse me of that. I can handle that because it's for Christ's sake. But here's what it says. Listen to this. And this scripture is so misquoted. It says, for when I am weak, people say, for where I am weak, he is strong. How many times you said that wrong? Look what it says. Then am I strong? doesn't say he is strong. It says I am strong. One of the most misquoted ones, another one's misquoted is over in Proverbs 19, uh, people say, well, life and death, death is in the power of the tongue. No, death and life is in the power of the tongue. If you're going to get it, you've got to understand what it says because it's important. Understand something there that therefore I take pleasure in the infirmities, as I read, distress for Christ, for I am weak, then I am strong. There's no question mark. The English standard says, it says, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, <laughs> ah, that's so funny. hardships, persecution, calamities, which is difficulties, for where I am weak, then I am strong. So the areas that you're weak in, you're strong in. Nowhere in the Bible does it say. It, the scripture teaches us that I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not just a conqueror, but I'm more, I'm more of an overachiever. I'm more. And let me tell you something. I walk in that. I don't walk in the spirit of failure. I refuse. Here's what verse 13 says. Let me, let me read 12 again because I think 12 uh, over in Ephesians chapter, I, mean, I just think it's, it's so good. And this tells us what our calling is. This is exactly what our calling is. Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the working of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Not the tearing down, but the edifying. The perfecting, it's a process. For the work of the ministry. And for the edifying of the body of Christ. Here's what verse 13 says. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Unto the measure of a stature of the fullness of Christ. English standard says, until we all attain 
to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of God by Christ's name. Now, let me, under, let me, let me, uh, let me explain what verse 13 is all about. People get hung up on this word perfect. The word perfect, people get hung up on it. They say, ain't nobody perfect. But you and I are in the process of helping people to get there. Because an apostle, a prophet, a teacher, an evangelist, and a pastor, what, what's verse 13 says? For the perfecting of the saints. Well, I'm just going to live the way I do the rest of my life, and you know what? I'm going to sin every day. Show me somewhere in the Bible where it says I have to do that every day, that it should be a goal. Every day I, I need to sin. It, it, I've got to sin every day. That's contrary to the Word of God of Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Shall we continue in sin that, may, that grace may abound? God forbid. I know it's not popular teaching, but it's the truth because it's the Word of God. So it's for the unity of the faith, for the perfecting of the saints... That's what we're called to do. Can I help you to understand something? That verse 13 is not for after the rapture. It's not for after the rapture. It's not. Till we all come into the unity of faith. And to the knowledge of the Son of God, unto the perfecting of man, unto a measure and with the stature of the fullness of God. That's not for after the rapture. That is on this side of it. But a lot of people think, well, you know, I'll never be perfect, with a K, until Jesus comes. Well, can I help you to understand something that perfection is walking in all the knowledge that God has given you? Remember that? Walking in all the, walking in all the knowledge that God has given you. First Peter, listen to this as I wind this thing down. First Peter chapter 1. 15 and 16. But as, as he hath called you is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. 1 Peter 1, 15, 16. But as he hath called you is holy, you are holy in all manner of conversation. He says, be ye also holy. Verse 16 says, because it is written to be holy, for I am holy. The word holy means to be dedicated and consecrated to God. Walking in the fullness of Him. Our goal is this. Our goal is to see you conformed into His image. The image of God. To be like Him. To be just like him, to talk like him, to act like him. Now, understand something that everybody could be dealing with every with something. People have vices. People have things that they 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 just can't seem to shake. But we can walk in the fullness and be conformed to His image, not after Jesus comes, but now. 
Now, let me give you five things. Be pure as he is pure. Be holy as he is holy. Be righteous as he is righteous. Be loving as he is loving. And be forgiving as he is forgiving. Being Christ-like means to be like him. Be all of these things. Jesus Christ is the model that the Father is using as he seeks to conform you into the image of Christ. Your finished product is to look like Jesus. It's to act like Jesus. It's to be holy like Jesus. To be pure like him. To be righteous like him. To be loving like him. And to be forgiving like him. So my question to you today, how cheap is the gift that God, give, that God gave you? There's people that give you gifts all the time. Christy and I, sometimes our schedules don't line up, but we walk three miles a day. And we do that because we want to be healthy for you all and be healthy for our kids and Plus, I don't want them to spend my life insurance money. So I want to be healthy. You know, one of the finest gifts, and, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you gave me this gift and this person gave me this gift or this person gave me that gift. I appreciate all the gifts that people have given us. One of the most practical gifts that we have is a flashlight that Ronald and Kathy gave us. You remember that? Little blue flashlight, and it's got a key on it, a key to the house, because Christy thinks that somebody's going to steal something while we're walking in the neighborhood. So I have to lock the door. Last night, we're walking after dark. It's almost 10 o'clock by the time our schedule's lined up. I was working on sermons and, and trying to get stuff ready for today. So we're walking at 10 o'clock last night. And there was a car came around the corner a little bit fast, and I flipped that light on. That light, just to let people know where we were. There's no gift that's cheap. There's no gift that could be expensive. That's not practical. You're practical. You're important. Every one of you is important. I know you're working through things in your life. Everyone is. I'm not standing up here saying that I don't have to, that I've arrived and I'm not going through things or dealing with things. Everyone's dealing through this. You're trying to do life. But what you've got to realize is that this is not your home. This is not your assignment. Christy and I were walking through the neighborhood um, last night, and there's a lady named Ann. She was at... Um, John, she was at Helen's funeral. I saw her at Helen's, your mother-in-law's funeral. A lady by the name of Ann. She went to the grocery store on Friday. She brought her groceries in, dropped dead. Dropped dead. So I'm walking through the neighborhood last night, and I know not everybody, but I know a lot of them. And I said, well, this person's passed away. This person's passed away. In 10 years, there's been about nine people in our neighborhood that have passed away. Then there was another fella that we saw that was a neighbor of ours who was walking his dog at, at about 10, 15. And so we were talking to him. 
And I walked through there and I asked Christy this. I said, Christy, I said, what if that was the only thing that you had to look forward to was either cutting your grass or taking your dog out? And that was it. That's what some of these people do. That's it. I'm built for more than that. You're built for more than that. You're built for it. You've got it in you. Stand to your feet if you would. Thank you for your attention. Appreciate you being here today. If you're dealing with something today in your life and you want special prayer over that, I encourage you to come and we will pray for you. If you're here today and you're lost, you're not saved, you've had a rough week, you've dealt with things and you just feel like that you're not where you need to be. If Jesus came today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Because let me tell you something, hell is not a piece of real estate that you need to invest in. Stay out of it. But where are you with Jesus today? And then where are your talents? What gifts has God given you? It's time for you to work towards that. No matter how young or how old you are. My mentor, James Ashworth, said that sometimes God prepares somebody for years to their 60s or their 70s, spends all that lifetime to use them for a five or ten year period. I was walking through the neighborhood, as I said, and I thought this. I thought, God, I want to make a difference. I don't want the most exciting thing to be in my life is taking the garbage out on Tuesday night. I don't want that to be the most exciting thing. The most exciting thing is for me is to lay my hands on the sick and they shall recover. To stand behind a pulpit and evangelize and help somebody through the process. Or to see someone who was in the hospital this week like Brenda Taylor go home. And it's getting better. That's what I want to see God do. Father, if you're not where you need to be today and you want to accept Jesus. Now, one way you can do that. You can pray, say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and live. I say this on that podcast every morning. Come into my life and live. Forgive me, God. You don't even have to name all your sins. Or you can come to an altar and surrender those sins. You know, because people say, well, why do I have to go to an altar? This is a place where things die. Bring your sins to the altar and leave them here. Leave, if you have a burden today, bring your burden to the altar and leave it there. You should not care what other people think about your salvation. Because Jesus is coming soon. I believe he is. And we got to get ready. Father, I pray that you help us today. Whatever the need is for the people today, I pray that you meet those needs. And God, I give you thanks and I give you praise and I give you honor for the word of God. I don't want my gifts to be cheap. I cherish the gifts that you give, Lord. And I thank you for using me. But Lord, I pray you use your people. In Jesus' name. If I come to you next week and I say, hey, Tell me something that God showed you this week. Give me something that you got revelation on in the word of God this week. And it's not crickets coming back at me. But it's people jumping up like grasshoppers saying, yeah, let me show you what God showed me this week. Let me show you what. And I don't want you to come in here and say, and brag about the devil more than you brag about God. Oh, the devil's been... You know well, you know what the devil is? Let me show you the devil to a, to a Christian. That's the devil. Yeah, that's the devil. Now, if you want to fuel him, he may be a little bit bigger to flip off. 
You give him his power. You give him his power through your words, through your attitude, through the way you are. Somebody asked me one time, they said, is God so big, can God create a rock so big that he can't lift it? My God can do anything. Save your soul, save your families, put you in a godly relationship, fix your shipwrecked finances. He can do all that because I've seen him. If you have a need today, would you come? Would you come? Whatever your need is. Whatever your need is, would you come today? He's a faithful God. He loves you. He cares about you. I see a shadow. Because you're called. You're called. I see a broken. You see beautiful. And your nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy you wash me in mercy I am clean there's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy you wash me How many people know that God will use a circumstance in your life to wake you up? He will, won't He? You feel like you're just going through the motions? Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Him. Rededicate your talents to Him. The worthy God. Hallelujah. Appreciate you being here today. Got a couple of announcements to, to leave you with. There's food downstairs. It's a fundraiser. Whatever you would normally pay if you went out to eat today, that's what, that's what we're asking you to pay downstairs. Because most people eat out. But I got to tell you, this electric bill in this place is hellacious. And so anything that you can do to help us, that's why we're raising money today, is to help, uh, help get this electric bill paid. And uh, this building is so big, and the electric bill's thousands. I'm telling you, it is. Uh, we eventually need to replace that unit up on the roof. Um, we've got an estimate on it of $20,000 uh, by Mike's dad, uh, Steve. And so we're just believing and trusting that he's going to, and that's going to bring the cost down, you know, the cost down in it. So um, we're just going to pray and believe God. So whatever you would normally pay, and you can give more uh, as well. And so, appreciate Don, Don and J.D. If you need to take it to go, you can do that as well. Um, but uh, there's a couple of other things that we need to tell you. The uh, football game, Faith and Family Day, is Saturday, September 17th at 1 p.m. Um, it's not a conference game, but it's a, a football game. The Towns and Tigers that they are playing on the 17th, tickets are $30, only $30 a person uh, to enjoy the game together. If you are interested... Um, you need to let JD know soon because we got to get the tickets ordered if you want to go ahead and pay you can do that as well uh, and then we'll get the tickets ordered for that game 
Um, and uh, so that's coming up in September. It's going to be here before you know it, if you can make it. Also, next uh, Sunday morning, next Sunday morning will be a time of prayer, and uh, it will be a time of, uh, of worship uh, within our church. There will be people that are going to be here to decree, to pray decrees like we do on our prayer. If you're not on our prayer call, let me tell you something. Be on our prayer call, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, every night, even on Christmas, New Year's, we're, we're praying. And we're praying for you. We're praying for Braxton County. We're praying for the world. We want to see God do great things. And so uh, be on that prayer call. But we are going to pray and decree. Barb, anything else we need to add on that? Okay, so that'll be, that'll be next week. You'll also uh, get to spend some time with Olivia Anderson and Rich. Uh, they will be here as well. And she feels like that there's some uh, words of uh, knowledge that she wants to give some of you all. So I encourage you to be here for that. It's going to be an exciting day. Invite somebody. Don't be scared. Don't be scared of the Holy Ghost. Don't be scared. Don't be scared because God wants to do something in your life. Amen? If you got to take it to go, there's food downstairs. Father, we pray in Jesus' name over this fundraiser. We thank you, God, that every, every bill is met, every need is met. And God, that you're furthering the kingdom of God. And we thank you for your kingdom. And Father, we just pray over the food. Pray you bless it. Pray you sanctify it. And we, God, we give you praise and honor because it's in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for being here.